5 o'clock in Pirate Country, and 94.3 The Game is going to get you home with the P-Man. In 5, 4, 3, 2, 1. Lock it in. Turn it up. It's time for the Patrick Johnson Show on 94.3 The Game. This is the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Everybody, it's great to be back. Yes, it is. We are uh, back after basketball yesterday. We'll get to some of uh, what Jaden Gardner and Joe Dooley had to say following yesterday's game. Uh, and we do have some kind of new things to talk about with the Super Bowl. Lots of things have uh, developed since when we would normally be on at uh, 5 o'clock for the drive home. Welcome in. P-Man with you here. Uh, intern Joe is uh, here today. Decked out again in a lot of vineyard vines. with these interns living life better than, than I am, Ben. And then Ben Byram, who I have to admit uh, was right on his Super Bowl pick. So, hey, Ben. Oh, yeah. I was dead hey, on. Hey, Ben. And I, I do, I've noticed you, you've got a new haircut and a beard. You're trying to look like our operations guy, Dylan, but that's okay. I, it's I, a pretty I, basic look. I don't know why no, you're getting I, on I me. This you, is not a, I think you are trying to style your hair. I don't think Dylan did anything revolutionary there. But you followed him, I've noticed, and you kind of have the same hairstyle and the same beard now. I promise you, when I went to go get this, I was not thinking like, you oh, said, Dylan's got a Dylan quit. McKay, yeah. is what you said. I, yeah, I, did, I didn't say, look, let's get the Dylan. Lots of, uh, lots of uh, young uh, uh Girls over the years, they love to listen to Dylan McKay on the radio. That's true. Day, that's true. You know, so there you go. And still do, I guess. Uh, it is uh, it is Tuesday. Uh, Pirate basketball, uh, whew, rough yesterday. That was a tough game to watch. And uh, we'll get to some of what was said afterwards. Uh, the Super Bowl was viewed by the least amount of people since 2007. What do you think of that, Ben? You know, I could see that. I mean, considering from the jump, they try to force propaganda down your throat and it's just like, let's just start the game. There's probably <laughs> four or five back-to-back, we're in this together, or we're going to get through COVID, or BLM, or whatever it may be. It's just like, let's start so the game. So politicizing in your mind. and Well, there was like five different anthems, like things I never heard of before. It's football. It's a game. Lowest-rated Super Bowl since 1969, the infamous... Joe Namath Super Bowl, Joe Willie Namath, uh, and the least watched since 06, actually. Sets a streaming record, but still the least watched since 07. So this headline says, "I get, yeah, that would make sense since 06. It would be 07, uh, with that audience included. 38.2 rating. It still tops every non-NFL program since... The Nancy Kerrigan, Tanya Harding Olympics. So there you go. That was a. You've, if you've never watched a thirty for thirty or a sports doc on oh, that, I'm aware. I'm aware. You of need story. to watch it because yeah. that's a hell of a story, Ben. I was, intern Joe, are you aware of that? Yeah. Oh yeah. He's yeah. a historian. He is a historian. That's true. So there you go. Uh, big numbers in Boston. Of course, Bean Town. But it's, it's interesting how much Boston, t- the Boston market, tuned into. Watch Tom Brady, which tells you what uh, they think of Tom. They're not happy. You don't think so? No. I 
everything I've read. Now, I know you're Mr. Appear on Boston Radio, W-E-E-I Sports Box. <laughs> they love me up there. Yeah. They want my takes for whatever reason. But what I, at least what I'm hearing and, and seeing is that a lot of people have wanted the, uh, the, they were rooting for Brady. The greater Boston area was rooting for it. They may not in hot takeryville sports talk radio that you. I think it's in a cynical into. way though. It's like that. I just, so you think people were tuning yeah. in to see if he got, if if they got smoked by the Chiefs? Is that what you're thinking? I think it's more so they want to be reassured that they made the wrong decision. If that makes sense. It does not. But I'll 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 just nod my head. Well, no, it's it like does. it's just like I just I, I I want them to see what they did. I want them to see how they passed on this guy. He's going to win a seventh Super Bowl while we got Belichick grabbing Cam Newton and right. trying to make that work. So you think that, so in a way, they were rooting for it. Yeah, uh, yeah, you're right, you're right. right. I just a, don't want to say you're right. It was a little of both. <laughs> it was a little of both. So that's uh, coming up. Uh, more on that with Mick Mixon. He'll join us at uh, 20 after. Uh, the uh, voice of the Carolina Panthers. Haven't had Mick on in a while. Uh, it was released over the weekend. This was not dug up by any internet sleuth. I think the Lions just flat put it out. But apparently the Panthers offered their eighth overall pick a fifth rounder. Is that right, Ben? Yep. And then uh, Teddy Bridgewater to, to yeah. the Lions. <laughs> now, what that and that's probably the initial offering and did not take into consideration with what we saw from Los Angeles, who was compensating for taking on the money. Uh, so I'm sure the, had the Panthers known that, they may have mortgaged the, the farm a little more and included some future first rounders. Who knows? I wouldn't have done it. I would not have been happy with that. So I'm I'm anxious to get Mick's take on that and then where the Panthers ultimately uh, decide to go in the draft but also in this offseason. I think there is as good a chance that you'll see Teddy Bridgewater day one in a Panthers uniform next year, next season, or as there's as good a chance you won't see. I mean, I, I don't think there's one leaning one way or the other. I think it's a 50-50 shot at this point. I try to get your money's worth, I guess. Make it work. Well, they signed him to a deal that pays him certainly not Jared Goff mistake money, but pretty he- I mean, twenty million is pretty per for three years is a pretty hefty amount of money. We just you? looked it up. He's the highest paid player on the team. Bridgewater outside, outside of McCaffrey, like yeah, outside of Christian well, no, McCaffrey. I think he's getting paid more than McCaffrey per year. What is it per year that McCaffrey's getting now? Uh, intern, Joe? he said sixteen. Bridgewater's getting twenty something million a year. Okay. You would have signed Cam Newton conceivably for something in the 30s. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, that's that wouldn't have been good. <laughs> no, it would not have been. And that's that's the deal. I mean, the Bridgewater deal, as painful as that is to hear, that he is the highest paid guy on the roster. Could have been worse. It could have been a lot worse. It could have been a lot more money and a lot more term. Could have been it could have meant more interceptions than touchdowns. Well, maybe. Maybe. And look, at the beginning of the year, it looked like that beginning of the season. It looked awesome. We looked, it looked like, like a guy playoff team. that you could have. Well, I wouldn't go that far, but it looked like a guy that you could have play quarterback and be respectable. He got banged up a little and was not the same after that. It was, quite frankly, one of the worst quarterbacks in the league after the se- beginning with the second half of the Tampa game where he suffered an injury. So we'll, we'll talk. McVixen, get mixed take on that. Find out where the Panthers may go. Was he surprised that we got to the point where we did? Apparently, the infamous streaker 
there's a report going around that the the Super Bowl streaker had put down a, a wager on a prop bet whether there would be a Super Bowl streaker or not. And apparently he ran his buddy out there to run interference so he could get onto the field and do the streaking. Does he get to cash in on the bet? Yeah, I'm surprised they don't crack down on that. I mean, what, the streaking or or him fixing the bet? Well, both, but I, I mean, more so the bet because it's pretty well, much. Well, I kind of wondered that if you. You're getting the numbers to the lottery. Yeah, in a way yeah. you kind of are. But, I mean, he placed the bet, and who yeah. knew that he would be the guy that would, you know. If, if I'm a performer, I'm getting in on that over over under two minutes for the uh, national anthem. I'm putting my, putting my life savings on that, either milking it or getting through it quick. Yeah. Add on to that payday. The national anthem was, uh, I thought, okay. It was fine. Yeah. I thought the thing at halftime was fine. I didn't think it was great. I thought it was fine. You couldn't hear them. <laughs> I, they, I, needed, they needed the, me. They needed at, an audio guy. At the beginning, I didn't have as big a problem with that as um, – I, I heard him fine during the middle of the thing. The beginning is where I had a hard time hearing him. Yeah. And I thought it was fine. I mean, it wasn't great. It was far from good. Oh, yeah. It's pretty forgettable, I would say. I, I, I mean, two, three years from now, I'm going to forget that the weekend even played it. Yeah, I mean, show. you have him. I, I would say Coldplay is pretty. Eh. Yeah, that that was terrible. Uh, that was Maroon awful. Five. Eh. Yeah, that was another bad one. Although I think the singer performed shirtless. And oh yeah, yeah. I, I forgot all about they're, that. Thanks for reminding me. Yeah, and I think that was exciting to some. All right, let's get into uh, ECU Pirate uh, basketball losing to SMU in a game that they very well could have won. They fought back to tie it up, but then uh, the Ponies, uh, I I just didn't think that, you hate to say when you look at that, because I I mean, and Ben, you watched it, I didn't think that SMU necessarily did anything to, I mean, ECU sort of, after, after they came back and rallied furiously to tie the game up, it wasn't like SMU turned it on and ran no, away. I mean, ECU Pirates beat themselves. Were, you, yeah. That's what I was kind of getting at. I thought ECU kind of beat themselves. Couldn't shoot. I thought the guards were a little too tentative. Guards were just there. They didn't. They well, they played scared. And it's one thing about well, you know, they didn't shoot well. And I think a third game in six days, I thought ECU looked heavy legged. I thought. I mean, and it's not like they've played all those at home. I mean, they were. They flew out to Memphis. After beating Houston, fly back. You know, they go light the day before yesterday. And then, you know, you've got a 5 o'clock. It just didn't look like they were. It looked to me, I think Coach Dooley made this the comment that they looked like they were running a quicksand. They just looked real, about a half step slow yesterday. And I think you're going to see that the rest of the way here with the way they're jamming games in. If they start making up a lot of them. You've got games that, I mean, you've got teams that just aren't going to be able to to make the plays they need to, to to make because athletically they just don't there's nothing in they just don't have anything there in the reserves. I mean that that's got as much you come off this lengthy break and then you've got a bunch of games bang you know you don't have a chance to get your legs under you. And I thought ECU looked a little heavy legged and looked a little slow at times yesterday. Uh Jaden Gardner finished with uh, another sterling performance uh and he did talk he talked about kind of what we just talked about here. Uh, once it was tied, not being able to kind of close things out from there. This is Jaden Gardner. Um, I mean, it's very frustrating um, not to be able to uh, get the ball to go in the basket. I mean, at the end of the day, teams are going to score. 
So it's just you just got you got to be able to score offense and be able to match it at least a little bit. Our defense, I thought our defense is fine tonight. It's just offense struggled a lot. And um, I mean, you got great teams like that. They're the best offensive league, offensively uh, efficient team in the league. You, you got to be able to score points. So um, I was I was I was impressed by our defense, but our offense uh, still needs work. Yeah, Pirates shot the ball really really poorly. Thirty uh, percent from the floor, two of fourteen from three. Uh, I think they were 0 for 10 before they hit their first three, if I recall. Uh, Jaden with 23 and 9, so he just did miss a double-double, but only J.J. Miles is the only other Pirate to get in double figures. This is Gardner on finding the consistency as a team from behind the arc. I mean, yes. At the end of the day, you got to shoot the ball. I mean, you got to, like, keep shooting it. It doesn't matter, like, if you're off tonight because, like, we need those shots. Like, uh, step-in threes, uh threes off, off passes and like we turning down open looks, we got to shoot those because those might be some of the best looks we get and we need perimeter shooting to beat these kind of teams. And um, you're right. It's rather right now it's rather we're really hot or we're, we're ice cold. Um, we have to have some middle ground. We got to have some nights. We can at least hit like, you know, five or six threes, you know, balance it out. I know, I know we won't get 11 again, like Houston, but we got to have some middle ground, some balance because it's, it's, it's hurting us. It's hurting us right now. This is what uh, he had to say about the Pirates' defensive effort against SMU. Once we get back, we're pretty we're, – we're solid on defense. So we have to, we have, we have to limit uh, baskets. We have to limit baskets in transition. But credit to Kendrick Davis, uh, probably the best point guard in the league, um, pushing it down our throat uh, basically all night. So, I mean, it's hard to simulate what he can do, and uh, especially coming off a uh, quick turnaround. It's very hard to simulate and uh, to, to just go from playing uh, Memphis point guard to go playing Kendrick Davis is pretty different. All right, and this is uh, now Joe Dooley. He talked about the team's offensive issues. Well, our offense was terrible. I mean, let's, let's be real. We were three for 27 from three. We looked like we were running in, in, in sand. And, uh, you know, I, I did think we battled back to when we got to 49. I thought we got a little bit of a rhythm. But, you know, untimely mislaps, untimely missed free throws, and untimely turnovers – uh, when when you're playing, especially on easy shots like layups, just takes all the momentum away from you. And like you said, I mean, we're three for 27 from the three-point line the last two games. We need to shoot the ball back. And uh, he talked to Joe a little bit about player fatigue. Yeah, I mean, I, but that being said, we, we really didn't practice yesterday. So, I mean, I know it was three games in six days, and, and the level that you have to play against, I mean, SMU's been sitting at home since last Wednesday – but, you know, the level you have to play. Now, that being said, we rested our guys. I mean, yesterday we walked through, we shot free throws, and we got treatment and stretched. Now, playing three games in six days against Houston, Memphis, and SMU, three of the better teams in the league, is not an easy death. But no one cares. you got to line up and play. And no one cared that SMU hadn't played. And I think we prepared, right? We just we need to get our legs back under us. And this is Coach Dooley talking about closing out uh, or not closing out the game once they uh, storm back to tie it. When you get to 49 all, you make a decision to, to buckle up. And, you know, I thought, you know, obviously we've got to get to the point where we would we make those easy shots and when things aren't going. Because the other thing is the easy shots give everybody confidence. You know, everybody sees the ball go in the basket, and then you, know, you want to buckle up a little tighter on defense. I mean, I thought our defense until late in the game was was good enough to win the game. And you get it back to, like we talked about, 49 all, then you have to make make some easy plays. And, and tell you the truth, you know, J.J. got on a little bit of a roll. I thought he got hot, and then, you know, we need to we need to make more offensive plays and make easier plays. Uh, Luigi Dubow got uh, got tossed in that game. Did you see that, Ben, from your angle? What did you think on the Luigi deal? 
from my angle, because you weren't really expecting it. Right. Uh, you it, weren't really looking for it. It looked like an accident, but okay. uh, looking at the footage, it definitely didn't seem like an accident. So, in real time, I think it's a little bit of an accident. Yeah. And then they show it from one angle, because I, I watched the game at home on television. From one angle, I'm thinking to myself, okay, he is just so kind of awkward and clumsy. I mean, yeah, I he's, just, clumsy. he's just he's clumsy. He's a little clumsy. And I'm thinking he's just, you know, the guy moves a little and he's stepping and, and it, you know, he didn't. But then I, I don't, it's, it's, I don't want to, it's not within that guy's characteristics. Oh, no. Yeah. So I, I don't know. But and it wasn't like he stomped on him necessarily. No. So this is uh, Joe Dooley talking about, you know, that very thing. This is really out of Luigi's, uh, you know, his normal character. You can look at it two ways. He looked at him and he stepped on him, or he could look. He looked at him and he was trying to get up, and the kid changed. I, you, know, you can't tell now. I, I, I would like to give Luigi the benefit of the doubt. I've never seen him do that before, so um, you know I've never seen him do that before. But that impacts your team, and you got to put your, you know, not put yourself in those positions where they can make those judgment calls. Um, and, and you know, the, they all three referees looked at, it and all three of them agreed. So there, there was not much of a, you know dissension among those guys so you, but that, does that help hurt yeah I mean we had to play small more minutes uh you know not having pig you know with that that changes the minutes on the perimeter so we've got to figure some of these things out I know we got to get to McMixon uh we'll, we'll save the luster cut for uh tomorrow uh, I did want to get to the cut about uh I asked coach at the end of the press conference about uh, the passing of uh Lou Hill who was this uh, here with Joe Dooley for four years at ECU back in the 90s. I remember Coach Hill very well. And uh, he had uh, ascended to be the head coach of uh, Texas Rio Grande Valley, who uh, a few years ago played ECU in one of the preseason events. Uh, he had not been named the head coach at that time. I think he was still at Oklahoma or somewhere else. But uh, Joe Dooley discussed that at the end of the press conference yesterday. Very sad. I mean, um, you know, Lou and I were together for four years here and then uh, stayed in touch over the years. Uh, obviously, Lou was in the was in, at Oklahoma when I was at Kansas, and it was always great to see. I'll, I'll say this about Lou, and, and I, I text with his brother today. I never saw Lou have a bad day. Um, he's a very pleasant person, very a positive person. Um, you know, great great dad, and uh, you know, there's a lot of friends that are going to miss him. We really, you know, Coach John Cooper on their staff, you know, played with Lou at Wichita State, and it's just been a uh, Sad day, and we wish his family, you know, our prayers and, and thoughts because he's a great man. Uh, Lou Hill uh, has uh, died at the age of 56. It was very sudden. It was in his sleep. Uh, and uh, certainly our thoughts, uh, prayers, condolences go out to uh, the family and friends of Lou Hill. Uh, we uh, need to get a break uh, and uh, and get to uh, Mick Mixon. We'll talk some football on a much uh, brighter uh, note here in just uh, a second. Another uh, – thing I wanted to make a, a quick um, mention of, um, and that is also uh, the passing of uh, another former ECU uh, coach, assistant coach in football, uh, Willie Scott, who was drafted in the first round of the NFL draft many years ago, played at South Carolina. He was here some other places too, but he coached here back at a period of time when uh, it was, uh, I think, the 90s maybe around 2000, somewhere in the 90s, he was uh, an assistant coach. He has died uh, it, uh, late yesterday at the age of uh, 
61. So certainly uh, many friends in Greenville still of coach and of uh, many players still in the area that played for, uh, for him when he was assistant on the ECU staff. Uh, uh, certainly they are uh, mourning the loss uh, today. So, again, our thoughts and, and prayers and condolences uh, go out to Coach Scott and his many friends and family as well. Okay, uh, let's uh, grab that timeout. Mick Mixon, when we return, uh, Patrick Johnson show, we'll get into the Super Bowl and also what uh, – what, what the deal is now is there a little bit of scoring between Teddy Bridgewater and the Panthers franchise. Uh, Mick Mixon's perspective next. Clay Travis in the mornings, Adam Gold midday, and Patrick Johnson on the way home. You guys are a good team. We've been slept all week, but thanks. The best sports talk lineup in the Pirate Nation is heard right here. 94.3 The Game. The flagship station of the ECU Pirates and Eastern North Carolina's home for sports. Happy hours are always a swashbuckling good time with the P-Man. Happy hour for me never starts till after five. Me either. This is only number three. Let's get back to the Patrick Johnson Show here on 94.3 The Game, the flagship station of the ECU Pirates. Uh, If you are ever in a position where you uh, miss our show, you can always uh, check it out. Usually after uh, the program, the whole shebang on 94.3thegame.com. Check out the podcast there. Plus, wherever you might download your favorite podcast, Apple, Google, Spotify, at all. Uh, been a bit since we talked to uh, the excellent voice of the Carolina Panthers, our dear friend Mick Mixon, joining us uh, here on this uh, Tuesday after Super Bowl 55. Mick, nice to speak to you again. I hope all's well going great and i'm honored to be on with you and i'm proud of your successes and you you kind of got out from under the long shadow of henry hinton <laughs> and uh now you've made your own mark and um it's a pleasure to be on your show well it's nice to have you back with us uh here so we'll go ahead and let's do the elephant in the room first uh it was announced i guess by the lions of all people no great internet sleuth uh, i think the lions were the ones that put this out over the weekend that Carolina had offered Teddy Bridgewater uh, to uh, Detroit in a proposed uh, trade for Matt Stafford. Also, there were draft picks involved, including the uh, number eight overall pick this year. Uh, are we uh, are, are hurt feelings going to linger here, or has Bridgewater been around long enough that you know that's kind of the the business of the NFL? The second one, I think that what we're seeing is a, a, a shifting of the the tectonic plates, the crust of the foundation of the Carolina Panthers. And what I mean by that is the old days of give, uh, of don't change, be conservative, wait for other teams to lose it. Hopefully you play good defense, run the ball, score a few touchdowns, win it. Those days are over. That ship has sailed and it may never come back. The days of giving victory laps to popular players, iconic players, that's all over. In its place comes the new age Carolina Panthers, similar to how the Patriots used to do it. Patrick, you know football. You and I have talked enough to where I know that that you're not just a guy. You, you follow it. The New England Patriots, they were bloodless. I mean, they did not care if you were Logan Mankins, Teddy, uh, 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 t- uh, t- uh, Teddy Bruschi. Mm-hmm. They did not care if you were Tom Bray. When you, if you got on the backside of your effectiveness curve per dollar spent, they're done. It's just the way of the world. It's the NFL's chipper shredder. 
So everybody's grown up. Everybody's an adult. Get used to it. The new GM, Scott Fitterer, he has said, we want to, we're going to be in every trade. We're going to be in every conversation. And I think it's exciting because it means that this is David Tepper's vision of the Carolina Panthers being second to none and trying to bring absolute victory to the Carolinas. When you have the example of New England, I hear loud and clear what you're saying, you do have the cultures established. The foundation is there. You have probably the best quarterback to ever play uh, as the guy who's you know, co-captaining the ship in a way with Belichick. So there's a little bit, but I, uh, this is not to discount your point. I hear loud and clear what you're saying. The unique challenge, I guess, in, in Charlotte right now is establishing that foundation, but also being a player to maybe speed up that evolution a tad quicker. That That's the challenge, I would think, right now for the front office in, in Charlotte. I think so. This And you would love it, Patrick. I think if you could get even closer, if COVID would would, would relent and, and you could see even more clearly uh, the the charm, the intelligence, the, the amazing communication skills of Matt Rule, the vision that Scott Fitterer has, the, the insistence on excellence that David Tepper has. This is nothing against Teddy Bridgewater. All it is saying really is what is obviously true. You said it earlier in our interview, the elephant in the room. Teddy Bridgewater did not play as well. A little bit of the shine kind of came off the penny by any objective analysis. And and so it's it is it's not guaranteed. How many years did we spend uh with with the Carolina Panthers with a, an with a fantastic quarterback and an amazing athlete in Cam Newton? You know, everybody's because, okay, is Cam, what kind of hat's Cam going to wear today? Is Cam going to be in a good mood today? Is he going to be in a, not in a sullen mood today? And and we're, we're just, this new regime here is not going to worry about uh, hurt feelings or anything anymore. And there's no need to. Because T- Teddy Bridgewater, if I could hand the phone over to Teddy Bridgewater, he would say, this is what I want. This is what I, A, expect, and this is what I, B, want. I know I needed to play better in some games. I welcome another quarter. Bring it. I mean, wouldn't you love if, if a consultant came in and said, Patrick, we're going to let somebody else host the show uh, Monday morning to see if they can do better than you. Yeah, you, wouldn't you say, bring it. If they can do better than me. Then no, no, because I've been, on, I've been on go. the wrong end of that too many times, Mick. I actually wouldn't. I, I, <laughs> <laughs> consultants in our biz are like the pigeons. They they come in and they leave a mess and then they fly off. So that's uh... isn't that true? Yeah, they're the yeah. If you, if you can't do it, consult. Some people would say, not me, but some people would say that. Uh, the great Mick Mixon, Panthers play-by-play man, with us here. What what, uh, what are you? What's your sense on what this new GM and what Matt Rule and what everybody wants to do with this uh, eighth pick? Is it going to be a quarterback at this point, or what's your what are your thoughts on this? I think it's on the table, wouldn't you? I mean, with uh, with 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 the Panthers kind of being rumored to have been in some of these other conversations, and I think there is still. Don't get me wrong. I have to say this. Here's your disclaimer. It'll be very short. I do not speak for the entire organization. Just one guy. I don't don't take anything I say too seriously. But I, I think that there's still. So now that I've said that, I think there's still, and I think that my employer feels the same way. There's a lot to like about Teddy Bridgewater. I can envision a universe where Teddy Bridgewater has a great off season where he comes back even more nimble 
with the nuances of this Joe Brady offense, where the Panthers go out and get a tight end or two to be a receiving threat where the Panthers uh, continue to to rebuild and build up this offensive line, where Christian McCaffrey comes back, and where Teddy Bridgewater takes you exactly where you want to go. That's still very much on the on the table. But what if uh, Zach Wilson of BYU, what if Mac Jones of Alabama, or if they were to, Matt Rule were to become infatuated with his skill set, having coached him at the senior bowl. What if a quarterback fell to him at eight? I think they'd they'd jump all over it if they thought that was best for the team moving forward. Problem is this uh, with the NFL, and it's it's a a league that does not seem to learn from uh, its own mistakes when it comes to the draft or other teams' mistakes, and that is there's this fascination with a we want to get younger at quarterback, and that inherently is is problematic because – it, it's going to take anybody, no matter how talented they are, uh, taking a few hard knocks before they are able, I mean, with a very rare exception, before they're able to step in and, and really be, uh, you know, a competent winning NFL quarterback, productive NFL quarterback. Uh, with, with that said, in a little bit of a way here, I look at this twofold, Mick. I think you have with the Panthers, you have a, a guy that at least is a, Reliable number two in Bridgewater could be maybe a bridge starter, pardon the pun, uh, until you get a younger quarterback ready. But I also look around and I see there, I don't, I, even if you have Deshaun Watson by some stroke of, of good fortune and uh, crafty deal making, if that were to come to fruition, you have one starter that's signed right now to come back along the offensive line. There's got to be a commitment up front, and there's other linebackers, the back end. A tight end. I mean, there's just there's a lot of holes to be plugged right now with this particular uh, team. And I'm not saying quarterback isn't one of them, but there just seems to be uh, the short term, if you're going to build through the draft, there are a lot of other areas you might could go before you worry about the addressing the quarterback situation. What say you on that, Mick? Well, what I say is very simple. I could say it differently than you just did, but no more eloquently. And you're right on it. You'd have to, you would have to love the QB. You'd have to love the pick at eight, and you'd have to feel like this is a deal that I do not want anyone else to get. I wanna, I don't want to just date. We're going to get married to this eighth <laughs> overall pick in the draft. Right. So, but your point is excellent in that we're just getting going. I mean, the Panthers, but the reason that we had, we, I, th- I think anyway, we overachieved in many, many ways with no, I mean, just imagine it. This is one of my favorite teams. I don't even know how many seasons I've been doing this. I think this was my 16th. Mm -hmm. This is one of my favorite Panther teams I've ever seen and ever covered, even with no access. This outfit, brand new coach, brand new staff, no training camp, no preseason games, no meetings. It's virtual. I mean, it's amazing they could even break the huddle and clap as one. Yet, they come out and, and win five games. There's some gut-wrenching losses. We uh, Everybody understands that. It was very painful to lose some of those close games, particularly at Minnesota. Mm-hmm. But it's like that, 24, that 20-foot birdie putt on 18 that we, we, we missed it in, in, in so many games. But we had to hit a lot of good shots just to get it on the green, just to have a chance to win the tournament there at the very end. Yeah. So there are needs. I mean, 
good guy. You said a lot of them. Uh, another linebacker, a skull-crushing safety in the back end, tight end, all, oh, offensive line, an edge pass rusher. But I promise you this, it's coming. The Panthers, something special is brewing at the corner of Mint and Moorhead, and everybody in the division knows it, everybody in the conference knows it, and everybody in the National Football League knows it, that Matt Rule is going to be successful in a big, big way. Yeah, I, I think they've got a great, unique opportunity, even though Tampa Bay just won the Super Bowl. Even if Brady plays another two to three years, you know, eventually father time's undefeated. I think the Bucks have some challenges in keeping that roster intact, quite frankly, unless Brady's willing to rework his deal, which uh, there's some word that that may very well happen. Certainly Atlanta's in a major rebuild mode, and they've got an excellent quarterback in Matt Ryan, but, you know, how much of, of – the good years left in him are going to be wasted as they rebuild. Who knows what's going to happen in New Orleans, but I think uh, Breeze has kind of hit the wall. There are a lot of questions with uh, the Saints, I think, this offseason. So, I mean, it is a good time position-wise to, to be the Carolina Panthers. I agree with you there. I, I want to shift gears on a couple things here. From your uh, day-to-day, you know, you mentioned you don't have the access that uh, this past season that you, you normally have. Uh, you also called a lot of games other than that excellent road trip to Tampa You that uh, Zoak told us about. You guys had uh, a majority of your call coming from Bank of America Stadium, even on the road. How unique was it for you to work off of uh, the various monitors and, and do that? I know you've done some television where you do have to do that, uh, but you still can take a peek up and see what's happening in real time in front of you, even if you are working television and concentrating on what's on the monitors and reacting. This is a whole new ball game this past season for you. Truly. Thanks for asking me about that. I, um, I, uh, the listeners would be the judge, of course, but uh, I talked to this summer, I called about 15 of my colleagues around the NFL to ask them, what do you guys, this is when no one knew whether we were going to travel to road games or whether we'd even have a season. I called about 15 guys to uh, see what they were going to do. And the range of responses I got. So my friend Bob Papa with the New York Giants, for example, he was adamant. You know, we have to, Mick, we have to do these. We have to be at the games. Our calls are important to the league, to NFL films, to the history of the league, our listeners, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. Then from that spectrum to Paul Allen, my friend with, who's the voice of the Minnesota Vikings, he said, I called him, he's on his way to do PA at a racetrack. For, he's working, he's got a side hustle. He's doing public address at a, at a racetrack to make a few little few more bucks. He said, Mick, look, we, I mean, I came up doing minor league baseball. I came up doing, doing, uh, uh, do whatever you had to do. I mean, you just sit on a couple cinder blocks behind a chain link fence and do an American Legion baseball game. Just, it, it'll be fine. Um, just get over if we just everybody need to get over themselves and just do the game. And I, I fall into that camp. I love that. Yeah. Um, nothing against Bob Papa, big market guy, very talented broadcaster. But Patrick, it's doable. It's not optimal. It's a different product. But just look at the it's radio anyway. It's the theater of the mind. It's the imagination. It's a magical place where all your broadcasting dreams can come true. If we can just add the detail. Don't make excuses. Don't say, oh, gosh, they went to break. I didn't get to see the scoreboard. Just nobody cares. Just they, they tune in to hear the game, so just do the game the best you can. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Super Bowl happening this past Sunday, obviously. What Tampa Bay did uh, was kind of old-school, dominant fashion, winning uh, by uh, three scores. Did you see that coming? 
I thought that maybe the 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 the, the Britt Reed uh, car accident. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I thought that. My, I kind of thought Kansas City might win it again, but then I thought. I know everybody will say that's not a distraction. That that they'll compartmentalize that. They'll focus on the game. And, but that's just such a that story. Just I it's hard for me to even talk about mention it. And I'm I mean I just I'm just a fan and and love athletics and 62 years old and you know you just can't imagine what that would do to the families involved and all. So I kind of as the week went on, I thought I think I changed. I, I I think Tampa Bay is probably going to do it. Brady's fantastic, as everybody knows, but that is a salty defense. And they have marquee player. I mean, they went out and got all the – they just rounded up all the high-Q rating guys, and uh, sure enough, they uh, just wasn't even close. Once you got into the Mahomes turf toe, and that was revealed a little more as the week went on, and – you know, Mike Rimmers, who had a really dismal Super Bowl 50, was in there in a in a backup role this time. And you just mentioned how good and tough Tampa is up front. Not, and nothing against Rimmers. But, I mean, when you had backup guys along the offensive line and pieces moving up there, I, I, that that was the X factor, uh, I thought, going in. And, and ultimately, that, was, that ended up being the case. Um, Boy, if Tampa can figure out what they're going to do with this, I mean, you'd have to think they're the prohibitive favorite, even though it is tough to get back as, and, and, and win again, uh, let alone get back, as Kansas City proved. But, I mean, I, I think if you look at the top four teams, at least right now going into next season, you maybe put the Rams at a, at a 4A or 5, but the, the conference finalists, in my mind, are the four that are, at least right now, going into next year, if everything can stay as the same as best it can in, in NFL football. Those are the four that it wouldn't surprise me to see in some, you know, sort of alignment again playing in the Super Bowl one way or the other. Got a great chance. I look at Tampa, of course, you can tell I've been a shut-in for a year, basically <laughs> having to watch a lot of TV and HG network and all, because my wife and I, we watch all the home remodeling shows. So I look at Tampa Bay as almost a modular home. They they just brought in, they yeah. just built a home off-site and trucked it in, put sod out. The, the groundskeeper, the landscaping people worked for a couple of days, pulled an all-nighter, and then, boom, <laughs> they, they lifted the curtain on it, and it looks great. Yeah. But is it sustainable? Yeah, that's we the thing. Yeah, we'll see. see. We'll see. Uh, it's going to be an interesting couple months, and uh, I think, you know, there's still, even though it's gone a little quiet, I, I this Deshaun Watson thing, he, I just don't see him in Houston next year. Not saying he's going to be in Charlotte, but I, I just I don't see him in Houston next year. That's you you don't you don't get into a PR battle when you have a player that popular if you're the franchise that is not that popular, and and win you just don't. And uh, I, I see that going in a direction here one way or the other. So, um, hey, we got through the season. It was amazing, Mick. I, I who I didn't think we would back in uh, August and September, but we got through it. And uh, let's. Uh, as, as they say, uh, stay positive, test negative, and, and be ready to go. Uh, hopefully, in August, dare I say, with some preseason games. I miss the fans so much. I mean, I I might be a little on the introverted side, but you know, I love, I miss training camp. I miss coming down the hill every morning for practice and seeing all those people and hearing that throng of voices at Bank of America Stadium, seeing the sociology of it all—how young, old, rich, poor. 
uh, black, white, male, female, how people, Republican, Democrat, people just come together at a Panther game. Can't wait to get back to that place. We'll talk to you soon, uh, Mick. It's always great to catch up with you, and uh, we'll uh, get a little closer to draft time. We might check back in with you and the guys. Do appreciate it. My pleasure, and thanks for not asking me about the uh, national anthem or the halftime show. <laughs> We're out of time. All right, see you, Mick. Thanks a lot. The great hey, Mick is with us here. Oh, he's a hoot. Ben, you want to do your update or get a break and do it? Up to you. Why don't we get a break? We'll come back do the update. Ben will have an update. Hey, Duke's playing right now, playing Notre Dame and Cameron. Uh, trying to bounce back after the loss to the Heels. Ben will update the score, plus all the other day's news after uh, this timeout. Patrick Johnson Show rolls on. Ben Barm here for your 94 through the game sports update. The Pirates snooze a tough decision at home last night to the SMU Mustangs, 71 to 56. Pirate Hoops head coach Joe Dooley expressed his disappointment with the ECU's offensive output in that game. We had, then again, we had, you know, they score, we've got a wide open layup, we get no points. I mean, we took, you know, late in the, you know, we're, we're down about eight. We had to take a wide open three and turn it into a turnover. Uh, you know, those are the plays you can't make. I mean, we've got to make easy plays. And I understand, you know, you're a little uh, leery about shooting the three when you hadn't shot it well, but, you know, at least on an open three and percentage wise, you got a chance. If you turn it over, you have no chance to score. We shift over to e ECU women's basketball as their home game against 14th-ranked USF scheduled for tomorrow has been postponed due to COVID-related issues within the Bulls program. Elsewhere in college basketball currently underway, Duke taking on Notre Dame. With 11, about 12 minutes left in the second half, Duke leads by one, 69-68 over the Fighting Irish. Cormac Ryan for the Notre Dame having the game of his life. He has 27 points along with two rebounds and assists, while Wendell Moore already has 18 with seven rebounds. Elsewhere in college basketball tonight, tipping off at seven, NC State hosts Syracuse. The Wolfpack are favored in that game by only one and a half points. At 8-13th ranked Texas battles Kansas State, the Longhorns are the overwhelming 15-point favorites. And at nine, we have a battle between two ranked opponents. It's 14th ranked West Virginia takes on seventh ranked Texas Tech. The Mountaineers are five-point underdogs in that matchup. Sad news out of college football is former Pirate football assistant coach and former NFL first-round pick Willie Scott has passed away at the age of 61. Meanwhile, Iowa State signs head coach Matt Campbell to a three-year extension through 2028, and UCF hires Arkansas State AD Terry Mohajir as their new athletic director. In the NFL, former head coach Marty Schottenheimer passed away over the weekend for Alzheimer's at, at the age of 77. Schottenheimer was top 10 all-time in head coaching wins. And wrapping up for Major League Baseball, Angels outfielder Shohei Itani stays in L.A. on a two-year, $8.5 million deal, and the St. Louis Cardinals bring back catcher Yadier Molina on a one-year deal. If you're a 94 through the game sports update, I'm Ben Barm, and we'll be back to wrap it up after this quick timeout. What's happening? I'll tell you what's happening. Log on to our new website, 943thegame.com, for PJ Shot Podcasts and the latest news on the Pirates. This is happening. Now, back to Patrick Johnson on the flagship station of the ECU Pirates, 94.3 The Game. So, uh, UNC's game against Miami was uh, called, postponed yesterday. Uh, South Central Zone, Dayron Sharp and uh, another teammate were uh, seen in video or pictures, I guess, without uh, masks or social distancing at a post-Duke win party. Of course, the uh, kids stormed 
the campus there at uh, Franklin Street following the win Saturday against the Devils. Uh, caught my attention today, and I don't think we have enough time to play the whole thing. We may save it, but uh, Adam Gold kind of made a good, you know, what do you expect? We do have to, okay, play the gold bit here. It's about a minute and a half, uh, but I, I thought Adam Gold hit this pretty well on the head today in some respects earlier on the Adam Gold Show here on 94.3 The Game. This was done because a video surfaced uh, of to- North Carolina players at a party on Saturday night. I, that was Bill. I'm sorry. That was Billis. There's another gold cut in there. That's a little longer. That's why I was wondering if we had time to get that in. Did I? Let's go ahead. Yeah, there we go. This starts with the chancellor at UNC making a statement. Go ahead. Gus Goetz is the chancellor of UNC, and he took to Twitter, chastising the students for streaming out onto Franklin Street. And here in part is what he said. Uh, the behavior is unsafe during the pandemic and creates health risks for the entire community. He went on to say that students found in violation of the school's uh, COVID-19 community standards will face disciplinary action. Stuff it. Stuff that. May I just posit this to you, Chancellor Guskowitz? Maybe don't invite the students back to campus if you don't want them to act like students. Maybe that's where this started. You know, I really told my 12-year-old, do not eat the brownies. Don't eat them. They're for after dinner. But I left them on the counter, and I went out for four hours, and lo and behold, I came back and three brownies are missing. Whose fault is that? Yeah, it's his, but I'm the adult. I'm tired of people who should know better. Putting the blame on young people who are going to do young people things. They think they're invincible whether they are or they aren't. So Scott Guskowitz, that's embarrassing. The problem is they don't think it's embarrassing. They think, oh, I made the statement. We're really mad. What are you going to do? You're going to kick people out of school? Here, I understand everybody's trying to make money. That's why we're playing sports in high-level college, right? Because... We already know that the Division Three tournament isn't worth anything, so those guys don't have to play. But no, this one, this one matters because it matters to the bottom line. Just like students on campus matter to the bottom line. And that's why everybody wants students on campus. And see, I think at the end there he hits it on. That's We're going to talk to them all about this tomorrow, why we're playing basketball. Because, I mean, you have conferences and teams that are just constantly postponing games you have to get 13 in to qualify for the tournament but that's what we're trying to get to with the tournament so we're going to talk to ball about that tomorrow i don't agree with everything that gold was making with his overall point you know I, he and billis seem to think today on the show that you know this it, it's it's just trite to say well the players want to play i don't I, I mean i've talked to players players want to play they don't want to not play this season they'd be more upset if they weren't playing in a lot of cases uh, but I, I thought he did hit the nail on the head there, and that is more if we're going to take issue with the with the dopey undergrads storming Franklin Street. I mean, what do you expect? You can't get mad at him. I, I could also go to Roy Williams, who didn't know anything about the sham classes, must not know anything that his players do off. And I, and I get that. You can't police your players constantly. But in this time, you can't have guys going to party. It's just, it's a, 
a lot of things you could talk about off of that. We'll get into some of that tomorrow with Brian Ball. Thanks to Mick Mixon for being with us. Uh, we'll uh, have uh, the Joe Dooley Show coming up in minutes. Great job by intern Joe and uh, Ben Byram. This as well. guy. Yeah, that guy. See you tomorrow, Patrick Johnson Show. Adopt U.S. Kids presents What to Expect When You're Expecting.